Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solidy. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. We are trudging slowly toward the end of the year. Two games left. The uh, 3 and 11 Miami Dolphins take on the 1 and 13 Cincinnati Bengals combined win of four games between both of them with major major NFL draft implications here Paul um former Dolphins quarterback coach and son-in-law of Mike Sherman Zach Taylor coaching the Cincinnati Bengals obviously not not off to a great start here with them but you know taking a look here Paul in terms of draft position, and, and and here's how it really lays out: is if the Dolphins lose their last two games, they're going to be three and thirteen, and the lowest that they're going to pick in the draft is third. And there's a decent possibility they pick first or second. If they win this game, the lowest they're going to pick in the draft is fifth because they're going to be four and twelve. And if a miracle happens and uh, oceans move and, and and hell freezes over, and the Dolphins win the final week two against the Patriots and go five and eleven. The lowest they're going to pick is eighth. So a lot of different draft possibilities right here. Uh, we talked to Rebecca Tobeck about the Bengals and whether or not she wanted them to win, and her answer was a very firm no, I don't, because she wants the number one pick, wants the Bengals to take Joe Burrow. You know, a, a lot out there. So what's your feeling heading into this game? Look, you need to tell Rebecca to to, to leave my guy Joe alone. Uh, I, I would love to see Big Reds. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well put Joe, no, I mean, put Joe, put Joe Burr out of your mind. I'm, I'm saying, yeah. Honestly, hey. it's, it's if, if Miami loses this week, and Cincinnati goes on to win next week. Miami goes on to lose to the Patriots next week, who, by all accounts, will probably have something to play for. Miami's at number one. Yep. It, yeah. It, it, it's it's as simple as that. And and we don't have to worry about any trade-down scenarios or trade-up scenarios or, or what have you. The only way they don't end up with Joe Burrow if they get number one pick is if for some reason the front office either doesn't like him or by some accounts is absolutely enamored with Josh Rosen for next year and wants to go chase Young. That, that yeah. it, it's 
as simple as that. So, you know, we can say put Burrow out of your mind, but in all honesty, there are there's a firm possibility if Miami ends up with the number one, which is still a decent possibility at this point. The Cleveland Browns are an absolute dumpster fire for the Bengals to face off in, in week 17. And on top of that, they're a dumpster fire that's facing off against a pretty decent defense in the Bengals. It's just the offense that's horrific. Um, and then yeah. you, you look at there, – there are also other outside possibilities for Miami to end up with Burrow. Cincinnati has not shown that they have a great front office. They have not shown that they have a plan. They have not shown and, – and Zach Taylor – if Zach Taylor walks into the GM's office and absolutely pounds the table for Chase Young – they're going to have even more issues there as far as that goes if they don't take the guy that the coach absolutely 100% wants at number one overall and may coach in the senior bowl, depending on if they have the number one pick overall. Miami could end up coaching the senior bowl. You nailed right there why it's important for the Dolphins to lose this game. I mean, because we can assume that they're going to lose next week to the Patriots. So they, they play at New England. You have to think New England's going to be favored by more than two touchdowns. They're going to be playing for a division title uh, if, if they lose to the Bills here today. I, I don't know if they will. But uh, they'll, they'll also likely be paying, playing for that number two spot um, in, in the AFC. Because uh, you've got to think the Chiefs and the Patriots are vying for that behind the Ravens heading into Week 17. But the reason I say that too is that is if the Dolphins lose this game, they can they and, and they lose to New England in Week 17, they're going to pick no lower than third. But you also look at the other two. If the Giants play at Washington this week in Week 16, and then they play at home. Um, against the Philadelphia Eagles in Week 17, a very winnable game too. And in Week 17, the Bengals play at home against the Browns. And you got to think the Browns are Browns will probably be a three or four point favorite in that. But between those two, those three games, if the Dolphins lose their final two, um, you've got if, if the Giants win one or the Bengals win one, the Dolphins are picking first or second. And I think that's the honey hole there. I think that's where you need to be. Because I'm fine with either Joe Burrow or Chase Young with the first or the second pick. I am too. And and on top of what you just outlined, we basically have to root for any NFC East team to win any game not against an NFC East team in the final two weeks. Because the very first tiebreaker as far as draft positioning goes is strength of schedule. So if Dallas goes out and wins a game against a non-AFC East team, that's almost like two wins that count for the strength of schedule for the Giants, for the Redskins, and keeps sliding them further back as far as the strength of schedule goes and as far as their head-to-head with Miami for that early pick. So there's a lot of goofy little fun, weird things to, to, to how it works out right now. And let's face it, in, in – Eight days, we're going to know 100% certainty where Miami is picking in this in this NFL draft. Oh man, Completely. I cannot wait. In eight it has been days. it has been such a long time coming here, and, and the final thing here, Paul, about about uh, the draft positioning is that it's really important too that the Kansas City Chiefs win on Sunday night because if if they don't, um, 
then the Patriots could head into week 17 against the Dolphins and, and completely play their backups. And if that happens, the Dolphins would have a realistic shot of winning that game. I, I still think the Patriots would be favored, probably still win, but man, that, <laughs> that would be a final dagger from the Patriots to the Dolphins where, okay, now instead of picking second or third, you're picking fourth or fifth and, and you don't end up getting Joe Burrow or don't, don't end up getting Chase Young. Completely. And, and for one, the chiefs are playing the bears and, and, don't let their seven and seven record fool you. The Bears are who we thought they were, to quote Denny Green. Uh, on top of that, you know, I, I, I do have to say this because I know we've talked at length about this, not just on the show, but as a fan base. Do you want the Dolphins to win? Do you want the Dolphins to lose? I'm going to tell you right now, my heart absolutely wants the Dolphins to win. It, it That will never, ever change as far as my heart goes. It's, but I've got that argument going on right now where, you know, my heart and my head want two absolutely different things here where my head wants Miami to lose and get that number one pick, get Joe Burrow, re-energize the franchise, rebuild the trenches and free agency so they can absolutely destroy things in the NFL draft. But my heart, they want Miami to end up with, with those five wins. Every win's important to me. So it's a tough one. This is this is one where win or lose, there are reasons to be happy, to be excited, and, and to look ahead to the offseason with a positive vibe that we haven't been able to in a long time. Look at a team like the Bengals. Look at a team like the Giants. Look at a team like the Redskins. They're looking ahead to the offseason with the, we we have no plan here other than, the the basic we're going to draft guys and sign guys and see what happens. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly right. That that's exactly right. And, and I will tell you this: I, I, I'm not going to not going to mince words. I do not give a shit about winning this game. I I, I don't because and it, look when we talked a couple weeks ago when you know after the Dolphins beat the Eagles, I looked at the rest of the schedule and thought, okay, well if they go on a run here and they. <laughs> They they take down the Jets, they take down the Giants, they take down the Bengals, the Patriots rest their and they finish seven and nine. I'd be like, okay, that's something that maybe I can hang my hat on. Where, gosh, they're gonna they, they would be the talk of the off season. Brian Flores would get coaching of the year votes. That would be a little bit different. But now here we are at three and eleven. I you know the the difference between three and thirteen at the end of the year and four and 12 does not mean anything to me. The, the only thing that it means if they win four games is that they have a lower draft spot. So I, it's, it's, there, there's not a whole heck of a lot of meaning here for me because, and I, I look at the rest of the roster and I, I'm pretty much squared away on how I feel about just about all these players heading into the off season too. And having said that, we talked last week about about a handful of players too that we wanted to step up. We actually picked three players that for the end of the year we thought it was important that they step up and we'll get into that. So you went with uh Patrick Laird, Isaiah Ford and Charles Harris. And and those are three great selections there. I went with Keaton Sutherland, Durham Smythe and Adrian Colbert. So this is uh interesting because Charles Harris was inactive because of his, of his inability to play special teams. I was very disappointed by that because I thought Harris has been playing 
a little bit better. And on my end, Keaton Sutherland didn't play. It wasn't active. They activated Evan Brown instead. But uh, taking a look at the remaining players, Isaiah Ford does get on the field, catches three passes for 21 yards, gets 31 snaps, at least gets into the rotation. So good for him on that. Patrick Laird continues to show that he's a good special team or a good role player, can catch the ball out of the backfield. And Durham Smythe, actually a very good day blocking. In fact, uh, for any of our PFF fans, uh, he actually got the highest grade by far on the team for his blocking role. I also think he'll be here next year because of his ability to play special teams. I was a little disappointed with safety Adrian Colbert, Colbert last week. He had two or three really good games in a row for the Dolphins. Um, but not really a good one last week. And actually, in one of the biggest plays of the game, when uh, when Damari Scott, the Giants kick returner, returned the safety kick back to the Dolphins 40, that set them up to go up by two scores. So, um, you know, looking at the rest of the roster, though, Paul, you've got some players that are going to get an opportunity to get on the field this week, make a name for themselves. You know, they signed some cornerbacks last week. They've signed a lot of players over the last few weeks. So who are you looking to step up here in week 16 and week 17? One of the guys I'm looking at is Evan Brown that you you just mentioned. Uh, I liked a little bit of what I saw from him last week. And Miami has to have some depth for that offensive line come out of this season. I know there's a couple of guys we've outlined previously. I want to see if he can be one of those guys. After, after Evan – as much as I thought I was done with Albert Wilson a couple of weeks ago, the little bit of spark that we've seen out of him thus far, I really want to see if this guy can be somebody that's here and part of this rotation next year at wide receiver. On defense, given the fact that Rake McMillan went on IR, I want to see Jerome Baker take that next step, next level. I know he's played well at times this year, but I want to see him evolve into that linebacker. So we know we've got at least one true linebacker next year that, that that's starting. Because we don't know that right now across the, the linebacker core. Rake McMillan, he's good against the run. There's probably a role for him. But we we want that three-down linebacker that, that's going to be out on the field, going to be playing the pass, going to be rushing the, the quarterback, and has all these tools that Baker has. So I really want to see that in his final game. Yeah, and Jerome Baker, I think the last two weeks has, has played his two best games as a pro, and, and good for him on that. Uh, Raquan McMillan overall had a very good season. He did go on injured reserve. Um, and, and then behind him, a big opportunity for Sam Aguavion, too, because it, he's second on the team with uh, in sacks with three and a half. He's under contract for next year. And, and the big telling thing with, with Aguavion there is, he is fourth on the team in special team snaps, and that's meaningful because if if you if you're playing that key special teams role, like Aguavion is, like Durham Smythe is, like Patrick Laird is, then that really increases your odds that you're going to be here next year. And I think all three of those players will. Um, so it's it's going to be fascinating to see what type of role they continue to evolve into. You mentioned Evan Brown, and that was the number one guy on my list that that I am very interested in seeing. I hope – last week against uh, against the Giants, the Dolphins basically rotated three guards inside. Michael Dieter played 53 snaps. Shaq Calhoun played 52. And then Evan Brown rotated with both of them and played 37. Without question, in my eyes, 
Evan Brown was the best player on the team there. And that's kind of disappointing because, I mean, you spent a third-round pick on Michael Dieter. We were happy to get Shaq Calhoun as an undrafted free agent. Then you pick up Evan Brown off the street, and he looks significantly better than both of them. Oh, he does. And I'm very excited to see what he has. It's Offensive line is one of those goofy positions where you can occasionally just hit on some unknown player that just fits perfectly into your scheme. And Evan Brown feels like that based on one week, but I need to see it a lot more consistently moving forward. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And you know, I just I just saw a lot more physical potential out of him. And my hope in this is that Evan Brown starts at left guard. Uh, Deion Calhoun starts at right guard. Calhoun has has played very poorly the last couple of weeks, but I at least see the physical potential in him. So hopefully he's somebody that that improves from one year or year one to year two. And as far as Michael Dieter's concerned, he has back of versatility at, at center and guard. I think he's going to be in the mix for a starting job somewhere there. Uh, C.K. Parrott, Chris Kaufman has has said for a long time. He said said this on their podcast too that that he might be a better fit at, at center because he's not as exposed to that to that bull rush. He's six foot five. He's got a very good reach. His future might be at center. I wonder if the Dolphins kick those tires here in the off season. But Paul, taking a look at at the rest of the team and and how this matchup is with the Bengals, they they put Andy Dalton back at quarterback. A couple weeks ago, I don't really understand the logic in that. They went with Ryan Finley for a couple weeks, who was their fourth-round pick, and he didn't play well, but then they put Andy Dalton back. It's kind of what the Dolphins did with Fitzpatrick, except the Dolphins decided to do that earlier in the year. I mean, I I think keeping Finley in there really would have cemented them having that number one overall pick. But they, they do have two other good players on offense. Joe Mixon has been on a tear the last two weeks. 146 yards last week, 136 the week before. He has uh, 1,175 total yards for the season. Really one of the more talented running backs in the league. And also Tyler Boyd is 135 yards away from back-to-back 1,000-yard season. So, you know, and that shows that, you know, kind of like with the Giants last week, even, even though the Giants weren't a very good football team, as far as their skill positions, they were able to outmatch this decimated Dolphins back seven, and I think that might be the case again this week against the Bengals. Yeah, the Bengals should should be able to expose Miami's secondary. I, I do like Colbert. I do like Rowe. I do like what we've got the safety position. I like Nick Needham, even though he's shown a propensity for penalties. And the other side of the field is absolutely a dumpster fire corner right now, and, and it's not even close. So if, if – Nick Needham is on Tyler Boyd. I expect to see a few of the penalties continue as he's learning the NFL and the way it's called. If Tyler Boyd's on the other side of the field, I do expect him to exploit some of the the, the players that will be rotating at the other corner. Joe Mixon is the fly in the ointment for the Dolphins here. Joe should be able to run rampant against Miami's defense with Rake McMillan out. Brian Flores has called out the fact that Sam McGuavin should be the one that's that's stepping up defending the run. I've got news for you. He hasn't shown that skill set thus far this year. So I do expect Joe Mixon to have, have a little bit of a field day in this one. He's better than some of the running backs that have produced against Miami thus far. 
Joe yeah, Mixon. And as far as the run defense, it requires a lot of discipline to play well in this defense. And Sam McGuavion and Taco Charlton are two that, if, if you look at big runs, they, they tend to happen over those two guys. The good thing is that uh, Guavion can play some special teams, and he, he can also get to the quarterback. More of an explosive type of player, but not a, a great down-to-down player. And, and the same goes for Taco Charlton there at that spot. But um, the offensive line, the Bengals, we might be seeing the two worst offensive lines in the NFL this year. I, I'm hoping Vince Beagle uh, g- gets a couple more sacks throughout the rest of the year uh, to springboard into next season, and and he's going to have that opportunity. The Bengals got C- Cordy Glenn back a couple weeks ago. That made a big difference for them. Um, but the rest of the offensive line is pretty weak for them, especially on the interior with uh, you know guys like Trey, Trey Hopkins, uh, uh, rookie Michael Jordan, and, and, and a few other players. So, so we're hoping the Dolphins are going to get some push there. We can pretty much expect what Davin Gotcha and Christian Wilkins are going to do from week to week, but the Dolphins are extremely soft along the edges, and I, I think Joe Mixon might have the opportunity to exploit that. Um, on the offensive side of the ball for the Dolphins, Ryan Fitzpatrick is 210 yards away from a 3,000-yard season here. So we, we should expect him to get there by the end of the year. Um, and the Bengals have some players out in the secondary. Drake Kirkpatrick is out for the year on injured reserve. Um, B.W. Webb should be starting opposite William Jackson. And there could be some mismatches there in the secondary because you expect William Jackson to be on Devontae Parker. But even an Allen Hearns or an Albert Wilson might be able to get some yardage here against the rest of the Bengals secondary. They should. The Bengals are decent on defense, as I outlined earlier. Andy Dalton, however, could put the Bengals defense, as he did last week, playing against the short field. It, it all depends on if we get the swan song of Eli Manning like we did last week out of Dalton or if we get the Andy Dalton that showed up last week in, in this game. And and in reality, that's going to be the biggest difference maker outside of Joe Mixon is if Andy Dalton continues to put the Bengals' defense in a short field, I do expect Ryan Fitzpatrick to be able to take take care of business with Devontae Parker putting him over 1,000 yards, with Albert Wilson, with a little bit of Isaiah Ford. And I'm hoping we can see a little bit better stat line out of Mike Gusecki this week. Yeah, he's been so tough on Gusecki the last week. I, I, I don't – I have. I, I'm, I'm not quite sure why. Four catches, 47 yards the last week. Um, and, and I thought he should have caught eight passes the week before that, but Fitzpatrick missed him seven times. I'm kind of exaggerating there, but <laughs> – Devontae Parker needs 46 yards for 1,000. Mike Kosicki needs 46 yards for 500. Those would be two very, very cool milestones to, to exceed in this game for, for two young players at those skill positions. Um, Andy Dalton on the season, he has a lower completion percentage than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick has 61.6. Dalton has 59.7. Um, Dalton has fewer touchdowns with 11. And more interceptions with 13. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, believe it or not, has outplayed him this year. And I think this is the end here of Andy Dalton with the Bengals. But like with Eli Manning last year, you know, that Dalton has won a lot of games with them. Maybe this is their final 
that this is his final win with the Cincinnati Bengals. And if that happens, we're going to be on the edge of our seats next week because uh, if, assuming the Dolphins go 3-13 and 13, losing to the Patriots next week, then you're going to have that we're going to be watching that Bengals-Browns game because that would move the Dolphins up into the first or second pick if the, if the Bengals end up winning that game too. And that would be a very Cincinnati Bengals thing to do. So, Paul, what's your prediction for this game? Ooh, heart and head, heart and head, as I outlined earlier. I think Joe Mixon runs wild in this one. But unfortunately, I think Brian Flores continues to do what Brian Flores does, wins this game as he continues to set a record for number of players that have seen the field in the season. And Miami pulls this out 21-14. I'm going to go 23-20 Bengals. I I see Joe Mixon having his third 100-yard game in a row. He's catching fire there, and I see Andy Dalton winning what will be his final game as a Cincinnati Bengal. And again, like I said earlier, I had a breakthrough last week when with the Giants game where I was actually able to want the Dolphins to lose here toward the end of the year. I never do that. I've never been able to do that. But in this context, look, I don't want to, after all this, have the seventh or eighth pick in the draft. I, I want to have a top three pick. And if the Dolphins do lose this game, then – it's very likely that they're not only going to have the third pick, but it's it's very, very possible that they have the first or second pick. And that's exactly where I want to be. So in eight days, like you said, Paul, we're going to know where the Dolphins are picking in the NFL draft. And that will do it for our breakdown of the Miami Dolphins matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals. You can follow Paul and I on Twitter, Facebook, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. And uh, Paul and I are going to have a lot of exciting segments here on the NFL draft and on uh, free agency as this concludes. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. So, Lodi, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fifth. Look, listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.